Evening, great to be with you. So good to be here. Just going to sort my technology out. Awesome. So here we go. Uh, we are in the middle of our All In With God teaching series. So we've spent some time looking at prayer. Uh, and now we're moving on to money. We are looking at this stuff. Money. What And what do we do with it? That's what we're looking at. And particularly this evening, uh, I want to look at what, what we do with our own money ourselves. What we do with it. Where, where are we investing this stuff? What's happening to it? Are we, are we doing good things with it or are we actually just potentially just doing this? Are we just wasting it? Are we, without even realizing, does it just disappear? I wonder. That's what we're going to be looking at. Are we just wasting it? So money is a currency. It is a symbol of value. We can often, we use it as an exchange for things. So we use money to take and put it into things that we value, things that we uh, treasure, things that we want, and we, we swap it with each other for other things. Um, and that's exactly the same with our time, our treasure, and our talents. Our time, our treasure, and our talents. So our time, we use it as a, how we spend our time is a, a measure of the value that we put on the things that we put our time to. The same with our treasure, what we own, what we possess, how we steward them, what we do with them. It's a symbol of how we value it, where we're investing our time. And the same with our money and our talents. I'm going to be talking specifically quite a bit around money as just a practical way that a lot of us can um, use some of this stuff. But in the back of your minds, I'd love you to be thinking time, treasure, and talents the whole way through. What do we do with them? How do we use them? Because first and foremost, all three of those things are gifts from God. God has given them all to us, and they are great gifts. They are really, really brilliant things that he has blessed, and he has ordained, and he wants to give to us, and he wants us to use them for good. He wants them to enrich our lives, and we've been really blessed with them. And in fact, particularly in this um, area, in this country, and, and even more so in this town, there's a, a vast amount of people that are hugely blessed proportionally to the rest of the world. We are hugely and significantly blessed. There is a brilliant book that I would highly recommend to anyone called Consumer Detox. Uh, I read it a few years ago, and it literally changed my life in terms of how I valued my time, my treasure, and my talents. And there's just an extract from it that I thought I'd read to kick us off about being blessed. It says, If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof overhead, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of this world. If you have money in the bank and in your wallet or purse or spare change in a dish somewhere, you are among the top 8% of the world's wealthiest people. The top 8%. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million people who will not survive this week. If you have never experienced da the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of the 500 million who have. If you can read this message or a message in front of you, uh, you are more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world who cannot read at all. We are enormously blessed. Hugely. And that is a huge responsibility. And I personally, and I would hope that most of you too, don't want to waste it. I don't want to just burn it without realizing. I want to use the blessings that God has given me well. In Luke, it says, um, to those who much has been given, much has been demanded. 
Well, friends, I'd like to kindly suggest to us that much has been given to us, and therefore much is demanded of us in terms of what we do with the immense blessing that we've been given by God to live in this country, to live the lives that we live. And why? Why, why do we want to look at that? Well, that's, that's what we're going to unpack this evening. The where and the how and the why we invest our time, treasure and talents, what we do with them, what's important. So let's kick off by reading some scripture. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn there, you can. It will be on the screens. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. It's titled, Treasures in Heaven. And it's Jesus speaking, and he says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we're going to break that down a little bit and go go through some different things. And the first thing that I want to look at is, is a reality to living that we understand and know as believers. So as followers of Jesus, we understand a different way of looking at life. We understand that there is the world, there is earth, there is the flesh, and we know that there is heaven, the kingdom of God. They are two different things. We understand that difference as believers. We know that heaven is not this lofty place that's only relevant to us when we die, but heaven is here today if we can open our eyes to it, that we understand the kingdom of God, that we are making an impact in advancing the kingdom of God every day depending on the choices that we make. That's a commission that we're being given to build the new Jerusalem here on earth today. Of course, that will be completed when Jesus returns, but it's our mission to be outworking that now. And there's things that we can do to advance the kingdom of God here today. And there's a contrast between what we do, whether we put things into the earth and the flesh, or whether we put things into the kingdom of God, into heaven. And Matthew warns of this as we read the passage. He says, Do not store up treasures on earth, the temporary where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. He's talking about this, this difference between excuse me, the temporary and the eternal. <coughs> the difference between the temporary and the eternal. So we know that things of earth are temporary, and the things of the kingdom of God are eternal. They go on forever and ever. They go into heaven. And so life is a little bit like a game of Monopoly. We play the game day in, day out. We build up our treasures, we build up our empire, we buy things, we sell things, we trade things. But when the game is over, it all goes back in the box. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. We work hard on our careers, we spend money on clothes and houses, we try to gain approval from all sorts of other people, 
But when we're finished with our life here, it all just stays here. The temporary stuff, that is. Jesus also warns us of this in Luke 12 when he's talking about the parable of the rich fool. It should come up on the screen as I read what it says. Warning people of their greed, Jesus says, The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grains and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, I have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take an easy life, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That is, that is how it will be with anyone who stores up for himself things but is not rich towards God. It's a stark warning from Jesus to not store up things in earth, to not store up things in the temporary. He's asking us the question, what will happen to all of the stuff that we're investing our time, our treasure, and our talents in when we die? What will happen to them? Jesus is talking about being rich towards God. He says at the end of that passage, be rich towards God. And what he's saying is to invest your time, treasures, and talents in the kingdom of God. Invest them in the eternal, not the temporary. There's a great book called John Ortberg called When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. Don't worry, I wasn't clever enough to come up with that by myself. Um, and he unpacks just a few statements about what it means to be rich towards God. And so I'm just going to read them because I find them really helpful. Being rich toward God, towards God means growing a soul that is increasingly healthy and good. Being rich towards God means loving and enjoying the people around you. Being rich towards God means learning about your gifts and passions and doing good work to help and improve the world. Being rich towards God means becoming generous with your stuff. Being rich towards God mean, means taking what is temporary and, become, and making it become the servant of what is eternal. I'm going to read that one again. Being rich towards God means taking that which is temporary and making it become the servant of what is eternal. Being rich towards God means savoring every roll of the dice, every trip around the board. So what is eternal and what goes back in the box? Well, obviously, we can't list all of them, but as a, a loose example to help you understand the concept of what we're talking about here, things that are eternal, God, other people, our relationships with them, our souls, the de good deeds of love, all that kind of stuff. What goes back in the box? Well, the list is quite obvious. Possessions, your CV, your body, your money, uh, your pleasures, uh, the people's opinion of you, uh, your titles and your positions, your youth, uh, your power, all that kind of stuff. When I was younger, I used to play Monopoly as a teenager. I used to really enjoy it. I used to think of myself as a bit of a shrewd business person. Um, but I didn't have this perspective of understanding there's a difference between uh, what happens in the game and the implications of what happens outside of the game. So I was absolutely ruthless. And I remember having raving arguments with my grandma and really detrimentally damaging our relationship for the sake of winning the game. And I just couldn't understand that, that, that the, what I was doing in the moment in the game was having an impact on our relationship outside of the game. There are things that we do in the temporary that can influence 
the eternal, for good or for bad. So time, treasures, and talents are all earthly things. They're all temporary things. A gift from God, a great gift from God, but they are earthly and temporary. But what we can do with them is we can invest them in the eternal. We can invest them in the kingdom of God. Matthew says this. He says, uh, sorry, in Matthew, Jesus says, um, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we can take what is temporary, our money, and we can invest it in the internal by giving to the work of God, by giving to justice movements, by a whole load of things you could put in there. We can take what is temporary, our time, and we can invest it in the eternal, our relationships, serving God, time with others. We can take what is temporary, our talents, and we can invest them in the eternal by advancing the kingdom, by being godly people in our workplaces and seeing great things happen. I was just thinking as I was getting ready even to come and speak this evening that I was spending time getting dressed and doing my hair and thinking about what I was wearing, all temporary things, all things that I think are important to express who I am as I stand before you, but none of it compares in any way, shape or form to the time that I put into preparing and hearing God about the word that I'm, gonna, that I'm speaking because that's investing in the eternal because we believe that when we preach the word of God that he meets with us and things shift and change in the heavenlies. Difference between the temporary and the eternal. And clearly we can't survive without putting things in the temporary. It's important just to say that. We have to do that just to live and sustain ourselves. But it's about getting the balance right. It's not a perfect analogy at all, but I like to think of it a little bit like a holiday home. And I don't know if anyone here is wealthy enough to own a holiday home. I certainly don't. But I imagine it would be a little bit like knowing that you've got a set amount of resource and you, you would want to be putting most of your time and money and efforts into making your permanent place of residence the best place that it could possibly be. And then you would put a bit of time and resource into your holiday home that you're going to go and spend a bit of time there. Well, our holiday home is Earth. And our permanent home is the kingdom of God. We are citizens of heaven. So we want to be stewarding the vast majority or as much as we can of our time, treasure and talents into the kingdom of God, into the eternal, because it has eternal consequences. And for me personally, it's a, it's a constant journey. And, and I'm sure many of us are on that journey too. It's so difficult to make that decision. Um, Caroline, my wife, and I got married not, not so long ago, and we were saving for the wedding, and we had all these plans of what we wanted to do. Um, and obviously, there are elements of a wedding that are significantly eternal, but there are lots of them that are just momentary, temporary things. And as we were saving, there was um, a giving day here at the church, and we, we felt quite strongly convicted to empty our savings account and give it to the giving day. It wasn't a, a huge amount of money, but it, w it was significant to us. Um, and so we did it, and we trusted God, and we followed his leading, uh, and we invested in the kingdom of God. And, and actually, it turns out that he hugely blessed us because a week later, someone uh, gave us 10 times the amount we gave in order to replace what we'd given. And that doesn't always happen, obviously, because, uh, and I don't quite understand the complexities of why God might return it and why he might not, but we felt a leaning to sacrifice the temporary and invest in the eternal. And sometimes we, we sacrifice and God doesn't, replace it, but actually sometimes I think that's just a, co a confirmation that it was the right thing to do, it was the right place to put the money. 
So we live as citizens of heaven with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. We live with the understanding that some things are temporary and some things are eternal. We live as truly blessed people with an immense amount of time, treasure, and talents. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are our treasures and talents and time being invested in the kingdom or, or in the world? Will they stay in the box or will they come to us in heaven? And how do we do that? How do we figure out some of that stuff? It's quite, quite difficult. Especially when there is a huge problem that we face as people that live in that tension. The problem is that we want to invest our time, treasures, and talents in the kingdom of God, but we know there's someone that wants to come and kill, steal, and destroy. In Matthew, the passage talks about storing up treasures where thieves cannot break in and steal. He's talking about the enemy when Jesus says that. The enemy knows the incredible riches and blessings and resources that we've been given, and it scares him, to be honest, to know the impact that we could make with them. So he wants to steal them back from us, and he wants to make sure that we plow them all into the temporary, because he knows that that's how he can make a significant dent in the kingdom of God. He set in motion right back in the garden deception that would lead us astray. And Paul talks about this in Romans 11. Sorry, Romans 1. It says... Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God, of the immortal God, for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. I wonder if we're exchanging treasures that we've been given to glorify God for self-gratification of the temporary. We've been sold a lie that it's right to store up all these things on earth by the enemy he's, he's, and culture around us, and he uses culture to do that. Let's just have a look at a little clip of some people that have been sold this lie. In a time of economic uncertainty, bold players can win big. Prepare to go all out on a new startup one of Britain's business titans. Fighting it out for his funding. 16 ambitious entrepreneurs. Money makes the world go round. That's me, it is my world. I like a cash machine. If you push the right buttons, I will give you money. I am the Beyonce of business. Beauty is powerful. Intelligence is lethal. Having both is just the perfect recipe. I'm an extremist. My goal is worldwide domination, and I'm not going to stop until I get it. On offer, a quarter million pound investment. Money is the be-all and end-all. Some people say money can't make you happy, but I'd rather cry in a sports car than cry in a banger. I'm a real-life mumpreneur. My eldest daughter wants a swim pool in her back garden. I'm here to make sure that happens. To win, they face the fight of their lives. I might look like your business cuddly bear, but if you cross me, I'll knock your stuff in. I'm basically a machine. I'm not worried about collateral damage in this process. I'm here to win. I've got so much self-confidence oozing from my skin. The other candidates are going to say, that guy looks good. When I win every single task, I'll say, Dad, this guy's great. Putting out the cash. Lord Sugar. 
What a bunch of idiots. Um, I do love it though. I actually watched the latest episode this afternoon. I do think it's brilliant. Um, so, okay, so it's an extreme example. But there are people in the world that believe that stuff. Um, and, and it's the lie that they've been sold by the enemy. Work harder, buy more, spend more, keep more, take more, no matter what the cost. But the cost is huge. The cost is huge. Someone just said, um, well, someone said I'm basically a time machine. Another one said, I don't care about the collateral damage. The collateral damage is huge. It is massive. It is hugely significant, the collateral damage. And they just don't realize it because they've been sold a lie. The cost to ourselves is huge, our souls, our journey, our discipleship with Jesus. And the cost to the kingdom is huge in terms of what we're robbing from the kingdom, what we're allowing the enemy to rob from the kingdom. So are we allowing the enemy to lit literally steal the resources that God has given us, trusted us to steward? It's literally as bad as taking a wadge of cash and burning it. In, in Matthew 13, um, in the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us how if we listen to the deceitfulness of wealth, it will choke our seed, making it unfruitful. Because the deceitfulness tells us to plant it in the wrong place. So we're in a spiritual battle, and it includes temporary treasures of the world, our time, our treasure, our talents, because they can have eternal consequences depending on how they're used. And we need to grab them back when the enemy tries to steal them so they don't all end up back in the box where the moth and rust will destroy them. Instead, we need to plant them in the kingdom. I need to speed up a little bit. Um, and how do we do that? Well, the answer is back in our original passage, so I'm just going to read it again. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's a great passage. So Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then it goes on to say, no one can serve two masters Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, if we want to see where to plant the seed, where to put it, it's all a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Our treasure and our heart need to be aligned. Our treasure and our heart need to be aligned. Matthew, um, in Matthew, Jesus warns us that we cannot serve two masters, and money is a master. We said right at the start that money, time, treasure, talents, all of them, they're all currencies of value. So the question we need to ask ourselves is where do they sit in the pecking order? Anything that we value more than God is an idol. And so if the things that we wouldn't be willing to offer to God as an offering, as a sacrifice, then they're sitting as an idol above God, which I would suggest to us means that our heart is not potentially in the right place. We've talked about board games, Monopoly, but the inner board game is the one that's most important. This battle that we constantly go on with our heart about God and where he sits in it. 
Are we allowing our hearts to follow the path that the world and culture and society has laid out for us? Or are we being the game master and following Jesus and what he shows us? The world is geared towards telling us to put our own desires first. And all of the time that that's happening, it pulls God lower and lower and lower on the spectrum of what we value. We've got to realign our heart and get God right at the top of it all. Getting our heart in the right place is about surrendering everything to God, ensuring that he is above everything else. And in particular today, we're talking about our time, treasure, and talents, but it's true of everything. Ortberg, in that book that I mentioned earlier, says, Surrender to God is not passivity or abdication. Surrender means accepting reality. Accepting the reality that it all belongs to God in the first place that it was all his and he gave it to us to look after. He lent it to us. Accepting the reality that if we give it back to him, it stays in eternity. And if not, it lives in the temporary box. Accepting that if we give it to him, then he will use it for his glory and for the advancing of his kingdom. So how do we know where our heart is? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So if you want to know where your heart is, look where your treasure is. We've heard people say that as we've gone through this series. And I think it means two things. First of all, we can use it as an assessment. We can help and we can use it as a bit of a health check. We can literally look at our bank accounts, our values, our things that we own, and it, and it will show us where our heart is, what we value. And hopefully it will show you that you might be putting it things where you don't actually realize that you value it too much and you need to do some realigning. As you're doing that, maybe I encourage you to just ask yourself the question, are they temporary or are they eternal? Are they for his glory or for your gratification? And the second way that we can look at this treasure um, and heart thing is as a step in the right direction. It says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If there's a place in the kingdom of God that you're struggling to have your heart in the right place, then this passage is telling us to put our treasure first and our heart will follow afterwards. So we cannot serve two masters. We can only serve God or money. Which are we choosing? Does God rule your time, treasures, and talents, or have they become an idol in your life, a control thing? If we're to be sure that we're placing and planting the resources that God has entrusted to us with eternal places, not temporary places, we need guidance from him. We need to be following his spirit and leading. We need a heart positioned before him, ready to surrender and being content in him alone. I'm nearly done, I promise. So once we've recognized the immense blessing that we've been given and we understand the difference between the temporary and the eternal and we're ready to surrender our time, talents and treasures and give them to the kingdom, then there's a final step that I just think we need to understand and that is that all we need to do is plant and sow plant and sow. And actually, that's the easy bit, but we can get it so wrong. We can get it so wrong and think that we need to do so much more than we actually need to. It's easy to become fixated on making sure it's actually used for God's glory and it's actually advancing the kingdom and it's actually doing all this stuff that we want it to. But all we need to do is plant the seed. In Mark 4, Jesus says this, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, 
Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk and then the head. If we're scattering our seed, and by seed we're talking about the investment, our time, our treasures, our talents, with the right heart and in the right place, we do not need to strive to make it bear fruit. It will happen all through the will of God. Paul says in, uh, says in 1 Corinthians, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. God made it grow. So neither who, he who plants on, nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. In the apprentice clip, it, right at the start, it talked about in a time of economic uncertainty, bold players can win big. Well, I wonder if in a time of spiritual uncertainty, Bold players can win big. We could win big by playing bold with the resources that we've been given. Are we scattering the seed and trusting that God will do the growing? Or are we holding on to it a little too tight and not quite giving over control? We're just called to give, to just offer it, to sacrifice it. We're not called to do anything else, to make anything else happen with it. A little while ago, well, a fair time ago when I was um, working in bars and restaurants. Um, I was earning double what I was earning when I first started to work for the church. Um, and I believed that I didn't have enough to, to tithe, to give. Um, and I also had control issues around thinking that the church that I was planted at weren't using the resources well. Um, so I, I, I sold myself a lie and said, well, I don't actually have enough, so I'm not going to tithe. And I don't really believe that they're doing the right thing with it anyway, so I wouldn't want to give it to them because I'd quite like to control where it goes and where, where I give it to make sure that it's doing good things for the kingdom. Um, and sure enough, God spoke to me quite powerfully um, right about the time that I was taking a 50% pay cut to go and um, serve the church and, and do some mission work with them. Um, and, and I begun to tithe, like, religiously, to be honest. I was like, I'm going to do it. For what I couldn't really think of a better phrase. It's not about religion, but it's, you know, I, I was saying that was it. I was doing it, and I wasn't going to not. Um, and I noticed two things happen. First of all, I took a 50% pay cut, and since then, I've never gone without, even because I was tithing, I believe. Um, and secondly, my heart was completely realigned to the kingdom of God and what the resources were doing and what he was doing with them. I didn't need to control anymore. I was just happy to just give and trust it to God and let him do what he wanted to do with it. And that has genuinely changed my life. So, I want us to think about the, the resource in this room. There is an immense amount of resource in this room, especially if we look at it collectively all together. Hundreds of people with an abundance of time, talents, and treasure. And I use the word abundance carefully because I know that many of you will be thinking there isn't an abundance, but actually there is. It's just about where we use it. And so if we want to talk about vision for the kingdom of God, I can see it everywhere in this room. But are we wasting it? Are we just burning it? Are we leaving it in the box of the temporary where it can be attacked by moths? Or are we investing it in the kingdom of God? Are our hearts aligned with him? Are we surrendered to his will? The impact that we could have on the kingdom as a collective of the resources in this room is immense. It is huge. 
But the enemy knows that. He's sold us a lie. And he often wants to steal it back. Shall we pray? I'd love to invite you to stand. Just before we um, pray, I've got some some prayerful kind of responses that I thought a few of us might want to respond to. But just as we were worshiping, there was a few specifics, actually. Um, So, uh, sorry, I don't know everybody's name, but you guy in the white T-shirt with SSU. Um, As we were worshiping, I felt God really show me... um, that um, there's a huge overflow of resource coming your way. Um, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but there's, there's something coming, and the opportunity for you to make a massive impact for the kingdom is coming your way. Um, and he wanted to wake you up to it so that you're aware when it comes, and so that you remember this moment um, and make wise choices about what you do with it. Um, Rita. Hi, Rita. I saw you, and... Um, I think God's going to present you with a person soon um, who's going to need your resources. He's going to need your time, your treasures, and your talents. And actually, as you were worshipping, you had your your red shawl thing wrapped around you. Um, And I felt God say, you're just going to come around this person, and you're going to wrap around them with the resources that God's given you, and it's going to be huge for his kingdom. Uh, And and one more. Sorry, I can't actually see you, but girl with blonde girl with the pink top right at the front. Yeah. That's you. Sorry, I'm, I don't know your name. I'm sorry. But um, God said that uh, your, your friendship is a huge resource. Your friendship and companionship to people is significant. And it's going to do massive things for the kingdom as you, um, as you step out and befriend people. And, and you're going to see salvation through that. Um, so you guys, I'd really encourage you to come and, come and get prayer for that as we do. But um, there's, there's some more stuff that God wants to do wider. So... Uh, let's just pray a moment. So, Father God, we thank you so much for your amazing goodness. Thank you for the blessing of resources that you've given us. And we pray that you would open our eyes to the kingdom. Would you open our eyes to the places that we can be doing great things for your kingdom. I pray that you would reveal to us where where potentially we're burning things, where we're wasting things. Not in a condemnation way, but just in a, I'm just going to realign some of this stuff. I'm just going to realign my heart. I'm going to put you at the center. I was preparing, I just felt God say that there's, um, there's some people here that have been blindly investing in the temporary. And just as I've been sharing this evening, it's like your eyes have just been completely opened and you can just see it. So obviously, if that's you, we'd love to pray for you. So we'd like to just invite, start inviting people down. There's plenty of space here where we can um, pray for you. I felt like there was a few people in the room that have been undervaluing the resources that you've been given. The lie that you've been sold is that actually the resources you've been given aren't enough, they're not good enough, they, they can't make an impact. 
Well, that is an absolute lie, and God can do amazing things with them. I also just, I just felt like there was a, a few people here that, for you, holding on to your money, your possessions, your time, it felt like a bit of a thing that you could control in your life because it felt like something that wasn't actually particularly spiritual, so it was fine for you to have control in that area. And I think God wants to release you from that control and, and begin to take you on the journey of, of surrender. And so, so we believe that God can do amazing things in, the, in these moments. So I'm just going to ask people to just begin to make your way forward and we'd, we'll have a team of people that can come and pray with you. And it doesn't need to be for anything specific that I've shared. We just love to have the opportunity to lay hands on people, see things change. If you want to make your way forward now, we'll, we'll get some people around you to pray.